Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Bartzell. Right up front. Younger fit inside of the net. Score! The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. We got a lot to recap, a lot to talk about, a lot to preview as well too today. Al Bernstein, he'll join us a little bit later on. That's right. The International Boxing Hall of Famer, as he just got back from the Mohegan Sun Casino as Showtime Championship Boxing had their first card in the last eight months or so. So we'll talk to Al about that card, the future of boxing, and a little bit of everything else. We've got that. we got Major League Baseball to touch on. A wild, crazy weekend that was full of postponements. And uh, we'll see if we can get back to some sort of normalcy with Major League Baseball. More action coming your way tonight. We'll dive into that. We've got football news. Yes, the NFL side, the XFL side. Did I say XFL? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, yes. The earthquake is in the The house. winding up. It's the up the far side and the inside and down. All right. He's still undefeated. Haven't been beat. Was that the giant splash or what, what was your finishing move? I keep forgetting. Believer knows the name of the. I forgot the name of it. Yeah, something like the uh, like the There's something I, about the quake shake or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. I'll I have to know. look it up. I don't know. All right, very special guest in the house here today. Uh, my old tag team partner from a few notches down the radio dial. Uh, currently a free agent right now, but he's uh, glad to be. I'm glad to have him here today. We're talking about the one and only. I can call him Ballpark Frank once again. Frank Harnish joins us. VGK Frank. Good to see you, my friend. Yeah, good to see you as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of aliases out there, so, you know. You do. You do. I mean, the Ballpark Frank, the VGK Frank. Uh, I think those are the only two that we could actually talk about in uh you know, in a in in a context outside of maybe strip clubs, right? Well, no, I mean the, the ballpark Frank thing. I mean, people call me BP, BPF, ballpark Frank. I mean, years ago I was known as Kamikaze because of the crazy stuff I did as a kid. So you know, there's a I always had a lot of nicknames, but whatever. Did you plump when you cook them though? No, that that was how the ballpark Frank first started. Yeah. That's when I hated the name at first, but uh, <laughs> you know because I thought it was cheesy and kind of stupid. But whatever, people yeah. seem to like it, so now I just roll with That's it. That's good. All right, man. Oh, it's it's great to connect with you again. Again, all the the time we had spent together. Like I said, a few notches uh, down, uh, talking not just hockey, but but everything else. And uh, we got Vegas Golden Knights. We have a playoff game that is going to start in an hour and a half in the round robin format. So uh, Frank's going to join us today. Talk a little bit about that and a little bit uh, of everything else but first and foremost i mean how have you been give us an update give our listeners an update they probably haven't heard from you in a while well how have i been i've been uh just kind of killing time like everybody else staying at home a lot walking around my apartment complex my condo complex uh you know i kind of feel like that animal in the zoo that's walking around wondering what's on the other side of the wall i do that a lot to try to get in a few steps actually lost a couple pounds during this stuff because of doing that and don't go out too often but you know i'm i'm not completely staying in home and letting it completely overtake and dictate my life but 
you know, things are a little bit different. I don't know, and I'm trying to show respect for other people out there as well. But overall, I'm doing fairly well. So you've turned a new leaf by showing respect for people now. Well, I've always showed respect yeah. for people <laughs> until people don't deserve respect. <laughs> and then I'm not afraid to show them a lack of it as well. There it is. There it is. That'd be vigilante, Frank. Okay, there we go. That'd be perfectly Frank. Perfectly Frank. <laughs> Very nice. All right, well, great to, to, to have you around again, Frank. Appreciate it, Frank. Of course, longtime Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show host. And, of course, the uh, first, I'd say, what, two and three quarters seasons of the uh, pre- hosting the pregame show, postgame show, and intermission report. Seems pretty strange, but we have to speak in that context with all sports now, that basically two and a half seasons, two and three quarter seasons, it just seems crazy. But here we're finally getting back to, to basketball with the NBA, Major League Baseball just a week into the season, and hockey seems like it's just been gone the longest, and now we're in the playoffs. Well, hockey's been going a long time, and we're not technically in the playoffs yet. Because remember, this is the first one. This is the qualifiers. So we have qualifiers with a bunch of the teams. But then we also have the four-team round robins. And even those are different because in the round robin, they play regular season rules if it goes to overtime. We almost saw that between Colorado and St. Louis last night. But they get the goal with .1 second left in the game. If that would have gone to overtime, it would have been the regular season rules. In the qualifiers, because these are to get into the playoffs... They play the full regular overtime, so you can go one, two, three, whatever overtimes it takes. So even though hockey's back, depending on which spectrum you're in, there's actually different rules for the way the games are being yeah. played. So that's a little bit unusual, but then what isn't unusual yeah. in 2020? But this is really unusual when you talk about this. And the NHL went through this thing for a long time where we really didn't hear anything. I really thought they were going to be the first to come back, and then... We heard, we heard silence, like months of silence from Gary Bettman, and then they finally got everything together. We didn't know where they were going to be playing. Everything was hush-hush about that. We actually thought that, that Vegas would be a, a hub for this, and then we found out that, you know, no, it, they're not going to be a hub. And I wasn't buying the whole thing. Well, that's an advantage for the Golden Knights. Yeah, you get to sleep in your own bed and do that sort of thing, but you're still playing in, in an empty arena. They opted to just forget the United States altogether and, and play in Canada. But again... You know, what you just touched on, I still think a lot of listeners have no clue of what is happening in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like you said, it hasn't even started yet, but I think a lot of people think, okay, well, this round, rob- round robin thing has started. But again, no one is is really clear. Unless you're a diehard fo- hockey fan, like Brian Blessing and yourself, but I think there are a lot of casual listeners, or even Golden Knight fans, are not sure exactly how this thing transpired. So kind of explain to us in layman's terms how we got here with this format and, and why are we... In this format, well, they wanted to uh, make it more than just the 16 teams that you normally have in the playoffs because there's so many teams that then would have had a complaint that had the season continued on, they could have found their way in. They were so mathematically in it, and in a lot of cases, they had a good chance to get into the playoffs. So they wanted to expand it, but they didn't want to make it all 31 teams. So they finally decided, all right, let's give the four top teams in both the East and the West. And remember in the West, Vegas is the only one from the Pacific Division that is in the round robin. The other three all come from the Central Division. So they decided to take the top four teams, and now they play in a round robin tournament, and they're actually playing for playoff seeding position, which is a little bit unusual. For instance, Boston is the President's Trophy winner. They have the best record in the NHL. The President's Trophy winning team could be a four seed. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is kind of crazy, and we've never seen it before. Vegas is currently considered the three seed, but if they win all three games, they get the one seed. And why is that important? Because then they're going to reseed after that. The one seed's not just going to automatically play the whatever, the eight or... They will play the worst team left. So say the Blackhawks knocked off Edmonton in the first round. And I'm going to use, using that because the Blackhawks are the 12th seed. They were the final team in in the West. They won the first game against Edmonton. The one seed is going to play them. If, the, if Edmonton wins and then, say, the, the 11th seed pulls an upset in their thing, then they would play them. They will reseed. So the advantage of being the top seed is that you will play mathematically, seeding-wise, the worst team available. So we still don't know how all that stuff is going to play out. And again, those teams are playing in what they're calling qualifiers, best of five series. So nobody's actually in the playoffs yet, with the exception of the eight teams, four in the East, four in the West, that are in the round robin. Everybody else is still playing their way in. So it's definitely unusual. It's definitely different. I like the people that go, wow, I've never seen nothing like this before. That's because we've never had nothing like this before. It's literally never happened. I'm just wondering why go to this realm. Now, the NBA went a little crazy, too, when they decided to go not invite everybody, and we had the unbalance between the Eastern and the Western Conference. But then, again, then these crazy rules were, okay, we'll have these guys fight it out for that eighth seed, you know, and congratulations, you get the eighth seed, you're going to get the number one seed. Like in the West, you're going to get the Lakers. But it's like if you're three and a half games, you know, out, then th- – then, okay, you've got it, but if, if it's less than that, then you have to have a one-game playoff. So, again, that's crazy in its own right, but the NHL just seems to take it to more bizarre world, it seems like. Like you said, qualifiers, round-robin, other teams still waiting to get in. I just don't understand who came up with this and how they came up with this. Why couldn't we have gone straight to the playoffs? We had enough hockey. Don't you feel that we had enough hockey to determine uh, the top eight, eight seeds in each conference? Why do we have to go to this? And then it just seems there, there's too many other elements here that's too confusing. I do not feel we had enough hockey. Okay. And I do think there's a lot of teams that had a legitimate argument if they wouldn't have got a playoff opportunity. Now, like a team like the Blackhawks, they probably didn't belong in the playoffs, but right. they had to find a number. They went over several different scenarios. They threw out a lot of different ideas and formats and things. The 24 seemed to be the thing where nobody could say, well, we would have maybe had a chance to make it to the playoffs. Everybody that had a legitimate chance now does have a chance to get in there. Some of the weird things are, for instance, Edmonton, who was second in the Pacific Division, they're the fifth seed in the West. If they get knocked out in the first round, not only are they not in the playoffs this year, although they were the second-place team in the Pacific Division, but all of a sudden now they also go in the drawing for the number one overall draft right. pick because they're knocked out. Could you imagine McDavid, Dreisaitl, and then Lafreniere coming in and possibly joining the team? It, it, there's so many different scenarios. There's some teams, fan bases out there, that actually want their teams to lose in the first round so they have that chance to maybe get the number one draft pick. Now, it's only going to be a 1-8 or 1-7 chance, I think, if the Rangers get knocked out in the first round, that then they're because of some trades and different things that they wouldn't be in there. But some of these teams that maybe get knocked out and don't make the playoffs, Getting a shot at that number one draft pick this year because this kid is supposed to be the next Connor McDavid or Merrill Lemieux or Sidney Crosby or somebody, that could pay huge, huge dividends to somebody. So although everybody wants to win the Stanley Cup, there's actually fan bases out there that are going, you know, we're not really a cup contender. Let's get a shot at this kid. Right, right. 
I don't particularly like that kind of thing because if you've watched hockey long enough, you saw the Kings as the very last team in win a Stanley Cup. We've seen it in hockey. You don't see it in the NBA. Exactly. You don't necessarily see it in other sports. Yeah. In hockey, it can happen. Just get in, and if you get a hot goaltender and things on yeah. a roll, a lot of things can happen. Plus, the other thing that's unusual right now, when was the last time when at this point of the season that you saw everybody healthy? Right. It's never happened before. True. Now you have because everybody's been sitting around for the last three or four right. months. Right. Doing nothing. Unless guys are really injured, like unfortunately for the Golden Knights, Pacioretty's injured, but we don't know what his injury is because in hockey there's only two injuries, upper body and lower body. <laughs> exactly. But right. now with COVID-19, they don't even say what that is. We yeah. have no idea. All that they keep on saying is it's not COVID. Yeah. Okay, well. Mystery of the NHL. The Blackhawks said that Corey Crawford was injured. They didn't say what it was. Now we know. In his case, it actually was COVID. <laughs> so who knows what's going on? But that's the NHL. There it is. You recognize the voice. It's Frank Harnish, the uh, longtime host of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show and, of course, uh, pre- and post-game on Golden Knights broadcast. So the Golden Knights in action at 3.30 today. They're first game, whatever you want to call it, the round robin. They're playing the Dallas Stars. So from a Golden Knights perspective, let's speak to Golden Knights fans here. Uh, fair, unfair for them, and how does this thing play out if you're the Knights? I think for the Golden Knights, it's more than fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a three seed that actually has an opportunity to go all the way up to the one seed. They can only drop one spot. They could potentially move up two spots. Again, it depends on the matchups there. Now, sometimes... Even moving up might not be the best thing in the world. Say that Minnesota pulls an off pulls off an upset in their first round. That would not be a good matchup necessarily for them because they haven't played them well. Colorado has owned Vegas, so you would think that Colorado is going to have the edge there. Dallas usually plays Vegas tough, but Dallas really came limping into this playoff scenario right now. So I expect them to win tonight, and I think Robin Leonard's going to play very well. Vegas has two goaltenders. I'm curious to see how they really play that. Do they really continue to go back and forth with Fleury and Leonard? Fleury and Leonard. They say they're going to do that for the round robin. Will it be that way once the playoffs really begin? And then St. Louis. St. Louis is the defending Stanley Cup champions. They lost that heartbreaker to Colorado. Vegas actually came back twice this season and beat them. So I I think it's a fair fair situation for them. I'm not sure what to expect. They could win all three games and get the top seed. They could lose all three games because there's so much parity in hockey right now. I don't expect them to lose all three games. I expect them to win tonight. I'm curious to see how they look tonight. And I'm really curious to see how the power play looks because I know it was just an exhibition game. The power play, although they beat Arizona, did not look necessarily that great. But I also don't know how into a exhibition game they right. were, knowing that the round robin was coming up and just trying to figure things out right now. They have plenty of time. The one advantage that Vegas has, just like the other four, te- the other three teams in the West and all four of the teams in the East, they're already in. They're not playing to get into the playoffs right now. They're just playing for seeding. So if the board wants to tinker with lines or change up goaltenders or do something different on the power player penalty kill, he has the luxury of doing that. If he's hell bent on just trying to win every game and get that number one seed, then he probably doesn't do too much tinkering. I'm curious to see what he does with the lineups. Let's go back to the beginning of March when you're covering this team. They were playing some great hockey at that point in time, and then COVID happens, and all of a sudden everything comes to a, to a crashing halt here. And it just seems unfortunate for not only the Golden Knights, but just Vegas and these fans in general. There was so much hype about the Raiders coming here and the draft being here, the Golden Knights with that tremendous home ice advantage they have at T-Mobile Arena, and everything just comes to a cr- crashing halt. And again, they were playing great hockey, but then you know, during the course of this, when they started um, 
you know, to get back together and work it out. We had heard that, hey, the Golden Knights are, are looking good, and you, you went to some of those sessions, stayed very, very close to, to that situation there. Uh, it just seemed like that what, everything we heard was this team is taking things seriously, they're getting healthy again, and they were going to be a force. But then, again, so much time, like you said, has taken place from not playing hockey to where we are now. Uh, just go back to the beginning of March and where this team was at in your eyes. Well, I think that they had finally bought into uh, Pete DeBoer. Not finally, because Pete DeBoer came in and he didn't really have a, a session with them. He didn't have practice time and everything. He came in, he was right behind the bench, and they're playing hockey games. Mm. Ironically, one of the things that's happened with the COVID is Pete DeBoer has actually now had a camp with the team. He didn't have one before because it was Gerard Gallant's team before that. So now he's actually got to tinker with things a little bit. He's got to see everybody healthy. Alex Tuck back in the lineup healthy. Other guys there. He's got to use some different lineups and things. So in a weird kind of way, I think it's helped DeBoer get a feel for this team. The team get a feel for DeBoer to see what he wants to do, how he wants to implement everybody. There's a chance that the Vegas could have the best third line they've ever had. As good as Vegas has been in their first two seasons, or two and a half, two and three quarter, whatever you want to call it, they've never had a third line that really wowed people. Now they could possibly have that with Stevenson, Wah, and Alex Tuck out there. They have a lot of speed, they have size, they have a lot of skill out there. So it will be interesting to see how they go. I'm curious to see what he does with the goaltenders, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. You have two legitimate Vesna-caliber candidate goaltenders. One a first ballot Hall of Famer, one in Robin Leonard, who was a Vesna finalist a couple years ago with the Islanders, came to Chicago this year and thought, okay, well, now I'm going to have a home in Chicago. They let him go to keep Corey Crawford, who's had a ton of injury problems on that, but he did win three Stanley Cups for him. Now he comes here. I think Robin Leonard just wants to find a place to yeah. call home. I, th- I think he wants to. I think he really likes his team. He likes his locker room. He's one of the best goaltenders in the league, but he can't find a place right, right now where he's wanted and they offer him a contract. So I think it's kind of a proving ground, but I'm curious to see, do they keep them both at the end yeah. of the season? I don't know if they can do that. But I do know that when Marc-Andre Fleury was in Pittsburgh, him and Matt Murray won a cup together when Fleury knew that at the end of it he was going to go in the expansion draft. So if these two work together and they use them properly, Vegas has just as good a shot as anybody to win the Stanley Cup this year. Does DeBoer have to maybe pacify either one of these guys? To, to the fact is, like, again, like, Leonard knows that he is one of the best goaltenders, but he's coming in and, and backing up, literally, you know, the iconic Marc Andre Fleury. And it's like he feels he should be in there. So, what do you do if you're DeBoer? I mean, you could say we're going to alternate him or, or stay with the, the hot goalie, but there's got to be some hurt feelings here because you're talking about two studs here that are not used to being backups. I think if you're Pete DeBoer, one advantage that he has over Turk when he was here. Gerard Gallant knew Marc-Andre Fleury. He was his goaltender the whole time he was here. Pete DeBoer has no loyalties. Pete DeBoer comes in here and he goes, look, my job is to win hockey games. I am going to play the goaltender that gives me the best chance to win a hockey game, in my opinion, tonight. Whether that's Marc-Andre Fleury or whether that's Robin Leonard. If they hoist the Stanley Cup, no one's going to give a damn who actually was in the pipes afterwards because they're all going to celebrate in it. If he continues the rotation, I'll be curious to see because we've never seen that in a Stanley Cup before. There's been teams that have had trouble. The last Stanley Cup that Pittsburgh won, Matt Murray was injured. Yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury came in. He played lights out. As soon as he lost the game and Murray was healthy again, then we saw Murray come in yeah. and he rode him there. Chicago's last Stanley Cup. In the first series against Nashville, Corey Crawford was terrible. He couldn't stop a beach ball coming at him. 
He was horrific. Scott Darling came in, played lights out. Then Scott Darling kind of fell back to earth a little bit, showed why he's a backup goaltender. Crawford got his mojo back. He got confident again. He helped lead them to a Stanley Cup. Weird things happen. Goaltender such a mentally taxing position. If you're hot and, you can, and you're stopping things and you get zeroed in, you can do almost anything. Look, look, look what Carey Price did in the first game against uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, again, both 12 seeds won on game one. I'd be really, really surprised if we see both 12 seeds going on to the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Dallas and the Golden Knights, 3.30 today. Golden Knights, $1.30 favorite. You like the price? You betting them? I'm not betting them because I don't have a job right now. But, um, <laughs> but um, I think they will win. I think they're the better team here. The thing that does scare me is um, Dallas, when their goaltenders get locked in, are very, very good. You know, that could be the problem. When Vegas has struggled with Dallas, it's because the goaltending has been incredible. But I think they're the better team, and I certainly think they ended the regular season playing much better. Dallas kind of limped into these playoffs, but that was a long time ago. I think we can get big game James. He's in the house here today. He can stake you. I think he can stake you for $1.30 tonight. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll find out about that. I, big, game, big game James in Vegas used to be James Neal, but he's not here anymore, so nobody cares about him anymore. So, there you go, exactly. You, know, you still see his jerseys around town, though, you know? That's good I, stuff. I, I, I see him on the clearance racks sometimes. Right, exactly, exactly. All right, are you down with the Seattle Kraken? Yeah, I like the name. When they first came out, I said I thought it should be the Kraken. Really? Yes. Really? I think well, you're the what only else were you going to be? You're the only one wrong, TC. I'm the only one wrong? I, I don't know. What did the, you I, want? I don't know what I want. I don't. Again, what is it? It's a mythical character that lives underneath the sea. It sounds like a SpongeBob episode or something. What, is, what are, what is the Seattle Kraken? It's a mythical character that lives <laughs> under the sea. They're on the is ocean. There is there a song that goes with that? I mean, it, it's kind of like Clash of the Titans and things like. I mean, Quite, give a, me a know? song for that. There has to be a, a song for the Seattle Kraken, or you know. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be several of them, and there's going to be interesting things. I mean, there's gonna, you're going to see. I mean, that basically has like the legs or tentacles of a squid or an octopus. Oh. It's got. A, a, you're old enough to remember Gulliver's Travels, right? There yes. you go. Yes. There you go. There's got to be some song in there somewhere. I mean, release the Kraken, different things. like Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm totally fine with it. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? You're having a flashback right now, aren't you? I am not. Yeah. I do not have children, so I was not one of those no, people I wasn't that talking about that. I, 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 I was thinking about our, our, our slash old producer board operator playing non, nonsensical music like that. Well, I've, I've been around this business for a long, long time. <laughs> I've heard a lot of nonsensical music. You wanted something from under the sea. What, uh, you want beautiful. Little Mermaid? Uh, I don't, whatever you got there, man. That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. The uh, crack. I would love it if when uh, you know the Kraken come to Vegas, if they would play. Let's that get Kraken. Play that in the arena. It is true, Frank, that uh, they do now play in the Crack House, right? We got the Shark Tank, and now they're playing in the Crack House. I'm not sure that they're going to call it that, but I'm sure that other people oh, I'm will. Sure, a lot I of mean, people why are not? Call, yeah. You know, yeah, that's it. Just follow the white line to the Crack House. <laughs> Whoa! There you go. <laughs> There he goes. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five once said, "White lines, baby, white lines." There you go. I just want to see what ha- I just want to see the production be- when they come to town here because you know the Golden Knights going to be chopping off those tentacles and throwing them all over the place. Exactly. And then the archers and the drum bots are going to be shooting arrows at them and stuff. The Kraken will die at T-Mobile Arena the, in the pregame ceremony. Yeah, the Kraken may be on crack as well. They may get cracked on crack. By the way, is by that the, the best job in sports or the worst job? Because you come in and there's supposed to be no expectations, but now you come in as an expansion team after what Vegas did? Are you just expected to make it to the Stanley Cup Would final? not want to be that team. 
would, would not want to be that team. But you know, what if Turk gets the job? I know, right? Exactly. And there are some similarities too. I mean, you got two crazy fan bases. I mean, Seattle is a crazy fan base. They always were. Even going back to the Seattle Supersonics back in the day. And, you know, the Mariners used to play in front of 50,000 people in that whole horrible cement dome that they had there with Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Jay Buhner, uh, you know, uh, Randy Johnson and company. But then we know what the Seahawks are. I mean... It was sad to see the Seattle Supersonics go, but I think that they are going to take on to hockey just same way that the Golden Knights did and the same way the San Jose Sharks did. Well, I really they, believe that. You know, they had a hockey team years ago. Yeah. In the NHL, the yeah. Metropolitans. Yeah. The, well, again, that's true. That's true. But it didn't last too long, did they? Anyway, well, where'd they become? They became the nothings for a long, yeah, long right, time. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I got a quick one for Frank about yes. Seattle. Do you think they're going to run into the? Do you think they're going to have the same advantages in the their expansion draft as the Knights did? Do you think you're going to see general managers a little more hesitant to let guys go because of what happened with Vegas? Well, you're definitely going to see um, the rules are going to be the same, but I think you're definitely going to see general managers a little bit more educated and on guard for like not giving up a bunch of stuff to save one player or this that or the other because George McPhee. Before Kelly McCrimmon was the GM, and George McPhee is still a huge part of this organization, he fleeced a lot of teams out there. He did an incredible job. I mean, remember, before the first season, there was one reporter in the local newspaper who said that they wouldn't win 20 games that first season. You know, I think um, Ed Graney came out, and he predicted they'd win like 31 or 32, and everybody called him a homer because of it. So it, it, it was a very difficult thing. But there's still going to be some advantages. I'll tell you the one thing that I'm curious to see what they do, because Vegas is the one team that doesn't lose a player. Now, they don't get part of that money coming as an expansion team, but they also don't lose a player because they did just come into the league a couple of years ago. I'm really curious to see what Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee do as far as other teams that are trying to get rid of somebody so they don't lose them and see how George McPhee might once again be the GM that gets a great job or has a great opportunity to take some advantage of this from time. Hey, you know, you're about to lose this guy here. You want to get something for him? I got some money or players or prospect or something. Look for Vegas to really look and try to make a splash once again, even though they're not technically part of it. True. All right. Frank Harnish, great stuff, my friend. Uh, great to uh, be back with you, so to speak, and uh, to talk some hockey and stuff. Looking good, sounding good, and hopefully the Golden Knights have put a nice little run together. It will start here this afternoon at 3.30 when they take on Dallas. And uh, NHL playoff hockey isn't quite here yet, but it's on the verge. We're back playing meaningful hockey, meaningful games. and uh, The hockey's been great up to this point, with has. the exception of yeah. a lot of penalties, yeah. which I kind of expected yeah. because the offenses are going full tilt and they're playing with playoff intensity. The defense, skating backwards, doing there's some clutching and grabbing. Used to be able to get away with that stuff. They're not anymore. See a lot of power play opportunities. Although not a lot of, not a lot of power plays basically clicking at this point. Final thing. The few games that you have watched without any crowds, your thoughts. Is what you expected not what you expected? or It's okay. Doesn't bother me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they've done a great job with, with piping in the music. I thought it was really weird hearing Chelsea Dagger, the Blackhawks goal song, playing in Edmonton when they're playing yeah. the Oilers out there. Yeah. But maybe it's also because I haven't been sleeping a lot these days, so mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of Korean baseball. I've watched all the UFC events. I've watched a lot of stuff, rugby matches and that, where there's no fans in the crowd. I'm kind of used to it. You know what? What I don't miss, I don't miss a bunch of idiots jumping up and smashing on the glass and spilling their beers all over everybody like that. If it's not your home team, sometimes other fans, cities' teams, their fans annoy me and bother me. 
So I'm not saying that right now. So I'm fine with it. Though I would like to see the fans be able to come back because I'd like to go to a game again. Yeah, no kidding. Wouldn't we all? All right. Miss those uh, games, whether it's a, as a fan or a media guy covering it. You know, we miss being there. No question about it. All right, my man. We really appreciate hanging out today, man. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you hopefully a lot here in the future. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll, be, we'll get on again here soon. And uh, I know that you're going to be um, cracking some blows with uh, L. Bernstein next in the squared circle. Absolutely. We'll be cracking with a K. There you go. All right. Frank Harnish, appreciate it, my man. Great stuff, as always. Uh, great to to hang with you once again. All right, when we come back, Al Bernstein will join us as he just got back from the Mohegan Sun Casino talking a little boxing and a little bit more. Plus, we've got some XFL news. Are you kidding me? Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. And I'm here today ripping it up with T.C. Martin. Glad to have you with us on a Monday, and appreciate VGK Frank. Frank Harnish joining us, talking a little Golden Knights hockey. As, yes, the Golden Knights, they're going to take the ice here in Edmonton, Alberta, in less than an hour, taking on the Dallas Stars, so we look forward to that. Why am I the only one that is not down with Kraken? I can't get down with the Seattle Kraken. Everybody. Everyone loves it. They love the colors. I'm going to see where Al Bernstein sits on this. We're going to see where he sits on this. All right, so we got a lot of stuff to to touch on. Uh, Again, we got some Major League Baseball to talk about. Uh, We had six teams that were out of action because of of COVID and uh, some more postponements. I mean, coming uh, tonight as well, too, but uh, we've got a little travel day as well. So hopefully this all gets taken care of with Major League Baseball. All right, so... Uh, we got news coming down today that a group, including the actor and former WWFE star The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, has agreed to purchase the XFL for approximately $15 million. Wow. Now, Quake, I know you're all over the story here. Uh, you being a wrestling guy, I like The Rock. I like The Rock and Ballers. I like The Rock in a lot of movies. But this thing has been a disaster from day one. The XFL declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy back on April the 13th. They've been seeking a buyer for the past three months. And what do they do? They go to one of their own. Vince McMahon says, let's bring in The Rock. What is it? I want to smell what The Rock's cooking. What could he be cooking here? What could he possibly be cooking? Why would anybody want this? This was a travesty going back to, to 2001. It was a disaster. McMahon invested over $200 million in the last couple of years to revive this. And again, they want to come back next year in a bubble concept if COVID is still prevalent. But I don't understand why anybody would want this. The season, if you remember, lasted only five weeks. The play was horrible. Right. The television coverage was horrible. Doesn't it seem a bit like... The crowds were horrible. Right. With 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 this and ballers, doesn't it seem like art imitating real life a bit? Where very very true. Also, interesting fact: so Danny Garcia is behind the purchase, and that's The Rock's ex-wife. So she's a partner in this. I saw that. Yeah, she's a partner in this. Interesting. All right. All right, let's get some thoughts here. All across the board, our good friend, the International Boxing Hall of Famer, the Las Vegas resident, and now back on the call with Showtime Championship Boxing after their long hiatus. And, uh, of course, serial connoisseur Al Bernstein. What is going on, my man? Uh, how are you? Good to talk to you, TC. I know, likewise, my friend. So... Have you recuperated from your trip to uh, the Mohegan Sun? Yeah, I got back last night, and it was my first uh, venture 
uh, across country in uh, almost five months. So it was interesting. But, uh, yeah, the airports are, are less crowded and the planes are less crowded. So that part was good. This <laughs> and uh, we got our first show under our belt, and it went uh, pretty seamlessly. So that part was good. It did. It did. You know, I want to touch on, on, on you with the, the boxing, but why don't you chime in here, Al, again, all-around sports guy. So when you heard the news of, about The Rock and the XFL, uh, did you have the same kind of thoughts that I had, or are you thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give this thing another go? What are your thoughts here? Well, it's puzzling for all the, re- it's puzzling for all the reasons you just uh, enumerated. Um, you know, it, it's hard to be optimistic about something that's failed already twice um, and, and failed so spectacularly. So I think that's the, the part. You know, at the end of the day, in some fashion, it seems like because we have insatiable desire for football that a second football league at a different time, at various times we've all thought, oh, maybe this one's going to work. And at various times, every one of them has shown a, gl- a, a, a fleeting glimpse of promise, but it's never come to fruition. So it's hard to believe that this one will either. I agree. All right, Al, Major League Baseball, we uh, had several postponements, Many, you know, six teams not in action last week. We had the Phillies and the Marlins that haven't played in, in over a week. And uh, now these teams hope to, to get back to it. Philadelphia's scheduled to play the Yankees tonight, the Red Hot Yankees. So uh, give, give me your thoughts about watching Major League Baseball, what you've seen uh, the, for the last week. No crowds, uh, the pure uncertainty, and the cloud hanging over MLB right now. You know, it's interesting. The actual product, I have to be honest, has been kind of entertaining to me. I agree. I, I agree. I, I have enjoyed watching the games. Um, yeah. And uh, and so that part of it, it's fascinating. In a way, I would put it in the same category as the NBA. It's been fun watching the product. Uh, and baseball players have approached it with the same intensity that the NBA players have. And it's been interesting. The problem, of course, is we we feel like we have, like you said, we have this cloud hanging over us that at any moment the plug can be pulled. And here's here's one of the interesting things about it: if you're a fan of one of these teams, I mean, in in my case, I'm a Cubs fan. They're seven and two. They're playing pretty good baseball, and that part has me excited. The problem is, as a fan, usually you don't have a bigger uh, issue hanging over your head, which is. Normally, it's just can my team win or can they not win. Now it's it's can they win, and can the league continue to finish the season? And you know that's problematic to be sure. Yeah, <sighs> we don't know you know what the the future is going to be for Major League Baseball. But like you said, very interesting. I had my doubts with with no crowds in attendance. The cardboard cutouts do drive me crazy. But I think like anything, the more that you watch it, the more we kind of get used to it. And if you're a diehard baseball fan, you start watching maybe some of the Korean baseball late at night, early in the morning on ESPN. And that seemed a little bit weird. But then again, it kind of it, it set the tone for us that this is what it's going to be like. But now, again, you're, you're watching your teams on a regular basis. Uh, the product as far as the announcing and, and the coverage seems to be coming across okay. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I, it's, it's interesting, but I think it's really interesting because for the first time ever, Al, 
every game really does have a lot of meaning because yeah. we have this short season right. of 60 games in a short amount of span. You just, you know, you have 66 dates to get in 60 games. So these teams mm-hmm. that have either, you know, had games postponed due to COVID or we've seen a lot of weather in the East Coast and right. the Midwest. And we saw, you know, again, the Cubs game get delayed again yesterday and they finished in the 11th inning with a rainstorm. I don't know how. Anybody is going to get to sixty complete, uh, you know, to complete sixty games at all. But I will say that every game means something, and it's got my attention. Well, and that's the case with, with Major League Baseball, also the NBA, because it's in this shortened part now, heading into the playoffs. Same is true with hockey, which is beginning, as you alluded to, with the uh, when we have a great local interest in that, of course. So the the, the urgency for the players is there, and I. I would relate it back to boxing because we did a, I mean, we did a card the other night. Well, you know, the, the fighters involved in that, Angelo Leo, who lives in Las Vegas and trains out of here, was trying to win his first world title. And Angelo Leo's career was vitally impacted by what he did, you know, on Saturday night. And Tremaine Williams, who ended up, stepping into the main event because Stephen Fulton Jr. tested positive. Tremaine Williams has been waiting his whole life for that opportunity, and he's a man that had been in jail. He resurrected his life and his career. Uh, so but with, with a tremendous urgency, and for them, not having people there was not an issue. And, and so these athletes are giving everybody a great product, the, the, you know, it's just a matter of making sure in the terms of the both the boxing, because you worry about people. Like, as I say, we lost our main event guy. Luckily, we we're able to move somebody into it that made sense. The, the, the problem is not the athletes and their intensity. It's the overall structure. Can it survive? I think we might have lost Al there on a, on a bad connection. We will get him back. Al Bernstein uh, with Showtime Championship Boxing, talking about the the first Showtime card that took place uh, within the last basically six months, uh, last Saturday night at the Mohegan Sun Casino. Angelo Leo, like who he mentioned, who lives and trains here in Las Vegas, defeated Tremaine Williams. Uh, and again, there was a bout that they had to find a substitute because Stephen Fulton Jr. Uh, was... Uh, tested positive for COVID-19. And again, so in that situation there, uh, and now I know we lost you and we got you back here, but I'm just yeah, I'm back go, now. Going, going back to your point there, you know, this is something that boxing has faced a, a few different times. And we know boxing was very proactive with Bob Arum and ESPN. You and I have talked about this before with their, you know, twice a week cards going through the months of what, June, July. And, um, and we saw, you know, a couple main events that, that, that had to fall out, but they threw in some substitutions. And here it is with your first Showtime uh, championship boxing card. The exact same thing happened, but you know what? You found a substitution, and it went off as scheduled. So, you know, this... Yeah, the, the trick is, I think, and in our case, I think this is, there's a certain lesson to be learned here. We had two... Our two main fights were in the same weight division, the same weight class, and that helped because Tremaine Williams could move up. And they had Marcus Bates... They told him two and a half weeks ago, you need to be in training because you may well be needed, and he had to slip in in the second bout. So I think you need to plan for these things in this, in this environment. 
All right. Talk about Angela Leo, uh, who was victorious. Pride at Albuquerque, and who's, as we know, Al, if we yep. follow boxing, Johnny Tapia, Albuquerque, Danny Romero, uh, Holly Holm, uh, all Albuquerqueites, if that is uh, such a, a, a term or not there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's funny that a, a small place like Albuquerque can produce uh, some world-class champions. Yeah, they have, and the three you mentioned are all terrific. Uh, and, you know, Danny, or Angelo Leo mentioned to us that you know, he was one of the young youngsters that got involved in boxing be- at around the time when uh, Tapia and Romero were uh, just a little bit before Holly Holm was was inspiring. They were inspiring young kids, and then he said it kind of tapered off a little bit. And he's hoping that by being a world champion, he can help inspire uh, a lot of those kids to, now to come to the gym and be involved in uh, boxing. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about calling a fight in these COVID conditions. Obviously, we know you have no crowd, but honestly, Al, were you a little bit hesitant about going back there? We've seen a lot of athletes opt uh, opt out. We've seen umpires in Major League Baseball opt out. Even some broadcasters said, you know what, Uh, I I don't know if I want to do this this year. Did you have any concerns when you found out, okay, we're going to get back to this, but we got to follow some strict protocols? Well, you know, here's, on a personal level, my wife, who many people know has been a, a cancer survivor, and, uh, you know, she founded The Caring Place and told her story to everyone, so it's not a personal story that hasn't been told. Uh, she's a high-risk person, and so, uh, of course, in my mind, that's of utmost importance. But I felt that, you know, Showtime uh, – took every precaution to to make sure that we were as safe as we could possibly be. Uh, I've been very diligent and careful in following all protocols even before uh, I knew I had to go back to work. And so my feeling was I wanted to participate. Uh, And as far as calling the fights when you're there live, I get no trepidation from a quality standpoint because I, I felt appropriately that when you're laser beamed on the fight itself, it doesn't really change what you do as a sportscaster. Um, and it didn't. And the other thing that's funny is I watch the monitor anyway when I'm watch, announcing a fight. So nothing changed for me uh, in any possible way. But, uh, you know, I, I, I felt comfortable. And I, I think most sportscasters who have uh, had to do these games in these conditions now – it forces you to concentrate on on the event, and that's what you do. You know, interesting point you brought up there about you're watching the monitor anyway. Has that always been the case for you? And it, give me a, give me a percentage. Is it 100 percent that no, you're focused it, on it, the monitor, or, or where are your eyes going? Because yeah, it, <laughs> go ahead. It's true. Every time I say this, sometimes people are are gassed, right? I, when I started doing boxing uh, 40 years ago, when I was five years old, of course, um, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a child prodigy, um, I, you know, I, I didn't look at the monitor much at all during the action. As time went on, I started to gravitate more and more because that's what people were seeing at home. And um, then it became 20%, 30%, 40%. And now I have to tell you, it's 100% of the time. And see, that's interesting because 
what, you know, you're right there in front of the ring. So, yeah. when, so when I'm attending the fights and covering the fights, usually I could be anywhere from five rows to 20 rows That's back right. in the media section. That's and right. I have found myself, you know, glaring up at the Jumbotron or the big screen yeah. now, too. And when you're there in the media, I mean, you think, hey, we're, we're relatively close here. Let's look at this. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, we never get the, uh, you know, the replays like you get at home and that sort of thing. And I, I have found myself, I think, over the years yeah. looking up, you know, more. And I was actually thinking about that the last fight I was at, too. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, shouldn't I be focusing more just, you know, looking at right. the ring? I have this great view here. But then again, yeah. depending on yeah. where you're at, you know, you're looking around corner men and cameras sometimes and that sort of thing. But right. I think you're right. right. We've right. become, with HD and everything, we've become so reliant on the screens. Yeah, and I think part of the reason, what you said is, is all very accurate. And part of the reason why I think from announcing the fights from that standpoint, it's what people are seeing at home. And I, I felt if it's not on the screen, uh, there are things you can look at that aren't on the screen that you could then, you, you, you don't want to talk about it at that moment because it's not on the screen, but you can bring it to bear on what you're saying, but it's very rare. So my feeling was, especially for the action, you know, I, I became comfortable watching it on the screen and, uh, it's just, you know, that's just the way it evolved for me. And not everyone does. Some are a certain percentage watching it live, a certain percentage watching it on the monitor. Some, maybe it's 100% uh, in the ring. I don't know. It's just in, probably a personal choice. And uh, that's just the way it evolved for me. Al Bernstein, Showtime Championship Boxing, joined us, talking a little bit about the sweet science. And again, he called the last Showtime fight Saturday night in an empty uh, Mohegan Sun Casino. So where that wasn't in the arena, Al, was it? Or was it like the MGM? Was it in the convention it center was, area? You know, or where it, was that? It was in the Mohegan Sun arena, but they kind of blocked it off and they created a certain environment, which was fascinating. When you walked in it, it was really kind of cool. The way they had it all mapped out with the screens and the... Uh, it was like uh, a TV studio, wasn't it? Like kind of like uh, you know when you with the old wrestling days, you go in there and you go to television yeah. studios, and they dressed it up a little bit. It kind of seems like that, right? right? And this, this felt like a nightclub. I got to be there honest you with you, it felt like if there was a bunch of people in there and you put a DJ in there, it felt <laughs> almost like it was a nightclub atmosphere. It was really intriguing, um, and it was very you know intimate and uh, and it, you know it I didn't know what to expect in terms of. Uh, you know, how you'd feel about it. But, uh, you know, I, I just believe that, you know, Jimmy Lennon Jr. had the same enthusiasm when he was announcing the, who's coming in. And I don't think we, you know, uh, changed. The one thing that did change, which was fascinating, was the cornermen, when they were talking to their fighters, were talking much lower because they didn't want the other guy to hear it across the ring. Right. Right, and that part was fascinating to me, and they were all very cognizant of that, you know. Uh, and I thought that was really, you know, kind of intriguing because they certainly didn't want the other guy to hear everything they were saying. Now they didn't go to the extreme of of uh, baseball, where the catcher, the infielders, will come in, Al, and put their gloves uh, yeah. in front of their face, right? Which I actually saw. I was watching a baseball game last week, and I saw a mound visit from one of the pitching coaches who had his mask on, and he continued to put his hand over because force a habit, I guess, right? Yeah, you were used to it. Yeah, they were used to it. 
yeah, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, no, they didn't go to those extremes, <laughs> but it was intriguing when right from the get go, and we commented on it. You know that it was it was intriguing that they that they were speaking in more hushed tones. All right. So, what about the protocol that we know that the boxers and everyone who's involved, you know, got to go through, I guess, a series of, of testing, have to be sequestered. Same thing for the broadcasters. Tell us what you personally went through because obviously this is the first time you had to go through anything like this. How many yeah, times were you tested and and, and talk about yeah. leading? up to the fight well it's interesting i up today i just got an email that already tomorrow i have to right away send in for a uh, a kit to be sent to me which i did last time it comes to you you do the personal test you send it back in they and they they give you a, a yay or a nay and then when you when i arrived uh, at the site the next morning i had to go get tested and uh, and they did, and then of course, hope you know if you got your negative response, which I did, you were good to go. They kept all the announcers separated from each other. Now, for boxing, we're the first boxing announcer team to be completely on site. Uh, show their ESPN's crew; uh, they did it remotely, except for uh, Bernardo Osuna. Mm-hmm. So, in our case, we had to be kind of separated for the most part before we saw each other on. On the night of the fight, like we didn't have our our production meetings were via Zoom because they didn't want anyone, if they were infected, the other people would then have to quarantine, so you'd lose your whole announce team. Wow. So they had to keep us separated. So we didn't really see each other until the night of the fight. All right. So So these are different times, and it's it's intriguing. You know, you you just have to... You know, there are different procedures you need to go through, and uh, it's going to be that way for for quite a while. All right. So we saw the Showtime fights with PBC. They're also going to be doing stuff with Fox here. We know the top-ranked ESPN we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a lot about, you know, a lot of the major fights you can't have without a, a huge live gate. And it seems like a lot of the promoters are now, you know, pushing that back because you don't want to waste these you know, mega fights if you can't draw millions upon millions, you know, for a live gate here. So which brings me to this point, Al, is because there's so much TV money that's involved, like I said, with ESPN, Top Rank, Showtime, PBC with you guys. And again, even though it's subscription-based and pay-per-views, what is the future of DAZN? Because DAZN is, you know, basically it's a it's, it's subscription only and pay-per-view, but again, it doesn't seem like they really. I mean, they got Canelo Alvarez right now, and they want Canelo to kind of take a, a a pay cut here, so to speak. But we're not really hearing much about the zone. Could this COVID? I hate to say this, but almost be the the death of this for the zone. Well, some people have some people have suggested that because they don't have other, they're solely reliant on their sports and the people that are are their subscribers. In Showtime's case, like you know. Our boxing is part of a bigger picture, so Showtime's not going to go out of business. ESPN's not going to go out of business. Fox isn't going to go out of business. Uh, you know, there are entities that are, exist, and the boxing is a part of that. With the zone, while they have other sports as well, but if you can't have live sports for a subscription-based uh, a platform, how does it work? They are getting back into it. They had a fight on the other night when we had it on. It was a fight from uh, from England, uh, and it was it turned out to be a very good fight. They have some they have fights on the board. Uh, Oscar Dolhoy's Golden Boy has several fights scheduled. They're they're on the zone. They're back and they're going to have their fights. I guess the question time will tell over the next several months uh, as to whether they you know uh, 
they can persevere through uh, this. They certainly took a hit because for a long time they didn't have any product. And as I pointed out, these other networks uh, all have diff- other different products that wasn't related just to the live sports. That's right. Al, when are we going to see you on an episode of Ray Donovan? That's it. We, we need some you know, that, little Showtime cross-promotion, Al, especially with we got the gym there. Terry's got the gym. We need an Al Bernstein reference. I don't know why. I, that's a good point. I, I think it's, you know, I'm kind of outraged now. Now you got me outraged. That's it. I, I tell you, i got to represent you, Al. I'll, i got to go to those people. i got to go tell them that we need Al Bernstein. in a, 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 a total great cross-promotion. Who wouldn't think of this? I don't know. I don't know why I haven't been on an episode. I'm, 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 you know what? I'm gonna, we're going to have to look into this because uh, there's no excuse for that. So, Al, of all the great Showtime programming, what would would Ray Donovan be your, your go-to? Who would you, What would be the show you'd want to be on if you went to showtime say i want to be on this show i love um you know i love billions of course but i don't know where you know (laughs) i don't know where i would fit in on there if i was playing myself right uh you not another role but billions is great and uh um so that would be another one i think i would be i would be interested but ray donovan would be a lot of fun because of the boxing angle and all the rest of it but uh i did i did appear on a i have done a couple of appearances on Showtime movies. Uh, there was a, a, a movie some years ago uh, that David Strathorn was in, in which uh, they're in a boxing scene, and I, I call the action. And so I have made several appearances. Ironically, in, I was on a couple of HBO shows years ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I, I was more on HBO more than Showtime, which is odd. That was before I got with Showtime. <laughs> That's good. So I don't know. They seem to they recognize my true acting talent. You see, I don't know why Showtime doesn't recognize it. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, we're going to put you with Paul Giamatti. I mean, that's it. You taught you guys together on I Billions. Perfect. I think we're compatible. I think we'd be very uh, have a lot of chemistry on the screen. So I, <laughs> you know, and. Again, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a, a no brainer. There you go, my friend. Al, great to have you back, my friend. Uh, we'll talk to you a whole lot more. Uh, David Benavidez is uh, fighting in two weeks on Showtime. I'm looking forward to that. We've yeah, seen him play here in Vegas. Yeah, yeah he'll be back against Good. Romer Angulo, and uh, we got a nice undercard. And uh, by the way, folks, if they want to hear more of me, can go to my yes. go listen to my podcast, Al Bernstein Unplugged. It's on YouTube. It's on. Uh, all the places people get their podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, Google, all those places. So they can check it out. Absolutely. Al Bernstein Unplugged. Great stuff. Great interviews every week. All right, my friend. Appreciate it. And remember, Al, go Cubs, go! I know. Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. There you go. There's an old song. You got it, All right. Man. All right take care, take my care. friend. There you go. There it is. Oh, man. There it is. Always good. Cubs taking on the Royals tonight. Go get some of that earthquake. There you have it. All right. I uh, want to thank Al Bernstein, Frank Harnish for swinging by and joining us today. The Quake making it all happen here. Shout out to Big Game James and company, uh, our live studio audience here today. Have yourself a good one. Miss any part of the show? Go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Check out the interview page. Check out the podcast everywhere.